Of all the flowers that grow during spring, which one is your favorite? Of all the flowers that grow during spring, which one is my favorite? Hi, everybody. Hello, this is Father Herb, and the person who asked the question is Michael Puppas. And I'm delaying the answer to give myself time to think. Because if I pick one, all the others are going to feel neglected. Do flowers feel neglected? I don't know. Now, I, are you talking about domestic flowers, or are you talking about wildflowers? Uh, and be, better say wildflowers. I have a better answer. I, I like wildflowers. Actually, I saw many wildflowers down in Texas last week. Okay. They're absolutely beautiful. Now, we've got three topics on the table already. One is my favorite flower. Yes. One is spring, because See. spring is starting in a, a matter of minutes. See. And the third one is C. You're talking Spanish because you just got back from the border. See. Okay, so let's take one at a time. Today is the first day of spring. We're recording this on Wednesday this week. Uh, late Wednesday afternoon, and the spring enters our world at 5.58 p.m. Today. Today. Look at us. We are a team. We are a, wild, we are a well team. oiled machine. And my, fi- my favorite wildflower, guess just, I'm a priest. I love to preach. So Easter lily. Easter no, lily. No, 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 no. That's, that's not a wildflower. That's flower. not wildflower. Oh. I love to preach, so my favorite wildflower would be Jack in the Pulpit. I didn't, I've never even heard of that. Oh, I, I've, got, I've got photos of it. Oh, I'm going to look it up I, right every now. Every year I go out and I, there's a one path at uh, Oak Openings that yeah. I take that trail and there's some jacks, uh, jack in the pulpits. I guess that would be the Oh, pearl. I see it. It looks like a little flower in a. It's like a, a it's looked like a little preacher standing in a pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your homework, everybody this week is to Google jack in the pulpit. That's cool looking. I've never seen one of those. Where do they grow? Uh, in the woods. Even in Northwest Ohio? Yes. In oh. the kind of like moist trails. Wow. And they're not the earliest. They are still early, but not the earliest. Well, this is good. This was a good question. And I did see some flowers popping. I, I walked today um, just for a little bit, uh, and I saw some crocuses popping up. What's the plural of crocus? Cro- croci. <laughs> Cro- <laughs> J- Jim Croce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, uh, but yeah, spring is coming. It's exciting. It is very exciting. It's coming in a matter of minutes. But anyway, welcome back from the border, the U.S.-Mexico border. Thank you. It's good to be back home. And uh, I missed my parish and I missed my family in reverse order. I should have said that. And I... Uh, <laughs> I, I know you FaceTime your wife. Did the kids get on, online too? Yeah, I talked to them probably a couple times each day. Just uh, to check in, it's really kind of a beautiful way that technology helps us not to feel Do, so distant. They're, they're totally understand. They totally understand that that's you. Yeah. Oh, totally. They knew. They also knew you were miles away. Yeah. And that you're not in the little box. No. What's cool with you know with iPhones and such, um, like when my wife was traveling the week before, I was able to show them on the Find My Friends app. You know where on the map it is, so you get a little bit of a geography lesson. And then I know she was doing the same for. For me, while I was gone, so they could so they see. now your kids now know where McAllen, Texas is. It's about as south in Texas as you can go. Yes, we were very south, but you know what? The weather was nice while we were there. It was it was pretty hot the first day, about ninety three, pretty muggy. Well, I saw a lot of your photos. I know it was very hot the first day, but the yeah. photos you had a jacket on. Yeah, or something. I, most of the week was like in the sixties. I was right at home. I felt like I was in Ohio, but I had to keep reminding myself I still need to put on sunscreen, even though it was cloudy and kind of chilly because I was so much farther south. And let's talk a little bit about the ministry, the outreach. Yeah, powerful, powerful week. And um, 
just a, a quick synopsis of what we were doing. We were working with refugees as they came across the border uh, and they were cleared by the United States government to enter the country and to go be with relatives. Let me, let me interject one thing. A sure. lot of people do not know that as the Central Americans come across, they have a right by U.S. law mm-hmm. to appeal for asylum. Sure. So if, they, if they're seeking that, there's a hearing. But the hearings, of course, don't take place right away. Right. So you go on. So um, when they came to us, they had been in a detention center for uh, a couple of days, prob- most probably, and then uh, were getting ready to go on to the next leg of their journey, which would most likely be a bus ride to a relative somewhere in the United States. So before that, uh, the Catholic Charities of uh, the Rio Grande Va- uh, Valley down there would um, get them on a bus, bring them to the respite center where we were, and allow them to get a change of clothes because many of them only had the clothes on their, their back. They were incredibly dirty because they'd been journeying um, from Guatemala or El Salvador or Honduras through Mexico for a very long time. Weeks, months. Yeah. Um, and so they a change of clothes. Of course, they would get a shower and uh, they would get some food. There was uh, The Salvation Army would drop off soup every day and there were cooks back in the kitchen preparing you know, simple soup meals for them and bread. Um, and then just give them a place to sleep. And I think the most important thing that we did was look them in the eye and acknowledge them as a person and say hello to them and let them know that we're, we're praying for them and that we care about them. Uh, and we're talking anywhere, you know, from entire families with, uh, you know, a mom and a dad and a child to just a mother and her baby. There was um, a young woman that had a, a one-month-old with her, so that means that she gave they birth, gave birth on the journey. Yeah. Oh, my. Um a lot of men, a lot more men than I expected to see. Some men were by themselves uh, coming after their, their, their wife and children had already come. Um, but what really struck me, despite you know all of the people that were there and everything that was going on, there was really a peace about the place. Um, I never once saw anybody angry or violent or upset. In fact, as we were working during the week, you know, trying to clean up things, many of them were um, offering to help because they, they knew that this was you know, just as much their task as it, as it was ours. So that's beautiful, beautiful people, a beautiful experience. Yeah. And our team from this parish, uh, there were 10 of us total, you know, sister Anne Mary led this was an incredible team. And uh, we're blessed to have some really amazing parishioners here doing God's work in this country. If I may interject one more thing, because there's a lot of uh, misinformation. Sure. Uh, when they do get on the bus and they go to relatives, uh, there still are court hearings. Yes. And the, the, the national average, the percentage who come up, come to the court he- hearings is extremely high, mm. extremely high, contrary to what people assume is that people just sort of disappear. Right. Uh, it's a very high percentage, and which also shows that people are willing to try to say, I've got a case that should be heard. Uh, I'm, I'm in fear, I'm in, fear uh, in my own country of okay. violence. I'm in fear of discrimination. I am in fear of death. Sure. You know, uh, probably a highlight for me of the trip was uh, on Sunday afternoon after we went to Mass, uh, we decided to go down to the border itself and just kind of walk along the perimeter uh, and see a little bit of the barrier between the United States and Mexico. Uh, And then also uh, at that time we decided we'd walk across the bridge that crosses the, the river 
and we walked into Mexico. And you were surprised. The river is, you know, we think about the Rio Grande. Grande sounds big. It's, it's called the Big River. Yeah. But it's not that big. And you live on a river, and the Maumee is bigger. Bigger. Yeah, bigger. Um, but we walked across, and uh, it took us about five minutes to walk across the bridge into Mexico. And we just stood there and kind of took it in a little bit uh, and decided, you know, then what we really wanted to do was in solidarity, cross back over uh, and just enter the United States. Something, you know, that we wake up every morning and take for granted that we're already here. So we did that. And what was interesting was in the course of time that we walked over the bridge and, and were across for a little bit, the the line had really built up on the the other side to get back into the United States. And when we walked in, uh, we found a number of people actually sleeping on the bridge, uh, just waiting, legally waiting to get into the United States. Uh, and the Customs and Border Patrol people that were standing on the bridge said, you know, there was a man that slept here for 16 days, just patiently waiting his turn till it was time for him to come in. And the only shelter that he had was basically a tarp and a blanket. Um, and so it was just a really eye-opening experience. Uh, and, and what was beautiful was there were people in Mexico, a church in Mexico, we met some young adults that were serving the people on the bridge. So they would bring food and water to them each day. Uh, it was beautiful. You know, it was this God is everywhere. Christ is everywhere. And it's not just the United States that does all the work. There are also people in Mexico that are, are reaching out and trying to do. And, and of course, they're, the Mexicans are reaching out to many of these other people who are Central Americans sure. from these other countries. The, uh, the beauty of bringing a cup of water hmm. or bringing a, a soup or a sandwich to yeah. somebody, I think we sometimes just take it for granted or we don't realize the significance, the power of it. Sure. But when you said looking somebody in the eye, treating somebody as a human, if we could do more. Remember our um, our four pillars of our parish. Yeah. The very first one is reverence. Mm -hmm. And I always say it's reverence for, for God and all things that are godly and reverence for other people. Yeah. And I think that was a realization of mine while I was on this trip that although, you know, my country of origin is different, um, you know, when you look at these people in the eye and I, my Spanish is not great, but I can talk a little bit to them. See, si. see, si. uh, just to get a little bit of their story, or to know where they're from, or just to get them to laugh. Uh, we usually would laugh mostly about the large sizes of underwear that we had for them. That you know, the people from Central America are tiny, unlike some Americans. So the sizes that we had left were uh, muy, muy grande. Do we have to, or should we, or should somebody provide clothing? for like a, this respite center? It would be uh, something that they are very much in need of. Uh, I think the biggest challenge right now would find a, an economical way to get it down there. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, it might be better to do some sort of collection and, and know that it's that money would be in good hands and they could get the clothes down there because there's many thrift shops and things down there that... I, re I remember once about 25, 30 years ago, a young man came to my church where I was at the time asking for help and he was Guatemalan and... Um, a young adult. He was probably 20, 25 years old. But uh, we went to the store to find him some clothing. Yeah. And finally went to the the, the boys section. Mm. There were no yeah. no uh, jeans, no trousers in the men's section that would fit him. Sure. So it was um, a really powerful week. And uh, I'm very, I feel very blessed and appreciative that I was able to go. Uh, I did miss everything back here in Ohio. I will say, though, another highlight for me by far was uh, we stayed at the Basilica there in San Juan. It's called Our Lady of San Juan uh, del Valle. 
and uh, of, be- the, of the valley, right? A beautiful community, uh, many masses each day, uh, English, Spanish, bilingual, and the highlight was Sunday morning. The music at mass was this big mariachi group. Uh, which when you say mariachi, you never know what you're going to expect. But this was exquisite, absolutely beautiful, just and, to be um, and they're in the culture. A pretty good sized group, nine. So I nine. counted. There were four guitars, an acoustic bass, a harp. Oh, I love those big basses. Yeah, yeah. four violins, three trumpets, two female singers, and then all the guys on guitar also sang. And it was just a great sound. It was did, wonderful. Did, did one of the guitars was it one of those big fat ones that he almost sit? holds sideways and plays yeah that's like the bass that's that just gives that nice yeah. low that low end so yeah. really cool um but i will say with all of that and i told this to the mission trip group you know being catholic is such a big family because even when we arrived there i had never been to this basilica before but as soon as i could see the 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 bell tower you know it's steeple and we pulled up I thought, this is home. This is family. I'm at home in my Catholic church. The universality. Hundreds of miles away. And even when Mass was in Spanish, I knew exactly where I was. It's just, this faith is just so incredibly beautiful. With that in mind, we're going to have Mass in English this weekend. Good. I'm ready for some good English. See. See. <laughs> we are in the third Sunday of Lent, which is pretty amazing how quickly it goes. I know. And the third, fourth, and fifth Sundays are uh, designated very specific to each year. So we are using Psycho C. Mm-hmm. And it's a reading that people don't know all that well, but it's in two parts. So I think I'm going to let you read the first part. I want to read the second part about the fig tree. Okay. We are in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, there were greater sinners than all the other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the tower at Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but I have found none, so cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, Leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. It's a powerful parable. Yeah, and what I what I did today, because I had the time, I pretty well pulled the homily together. It's not my final stage yet, but it's pretty well pulled together that mm-hmm. the first part that you read and the second part that I read really are connected. How so? Well, that's what you have to tune in Sunday to hear. Oh, <laughs> all right. We'll be here Sunday. Yeah. But let me just for now talk about uh, what I'm thinking. Repenting is more than just saying you're sorry. Mm-hmm. Last night at RCIA, I asked, the, I asked everybody, you know, they're getting ready for the Sacrament of Reconciliation in two weeks. Sure. And so we have a couple of classes on it. And some of the people are approaching that very bravely. Mm-hmm. Some are kind of 
uh, overwhelmed by it. They've heard stories. You know, how do you make a confession of your first, you know, 75 years of your life? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but what I was trying to say, what's the difference between just saying you're sorry and repenting? Because reconciliation is about repenting. Mm. And I think we, we sell it short. Repent means starting over, turning it uh, to a different direction. They use the Greek word metanoia, which is a change of heart, a change of mind, mm -hmm. uh, a change of your whole lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it's like, not only am I sorry for what I did, but I'm not going to do it again. And to not do it again really means you have to take precautions. You have to change. Sure. So if I say I'm not going to uh, break in people's homes anymore, I better stop hanging around people who break into people's homes. That's why you so nicely rang my doorbell today instead of just walking oh, in. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> but, I, but I will tell you, that's, I've had that example came from a teenager that I had uh, that I visited in the juv juvie, in juvenile detention center. Mm -hmm. And he was so upset when he got arrested and he kept telling me, oh, Padre, I will never, never do this again. You will not see me back here. He got released and just a matter of like three months later, he was back. Oh. And I went back to him and I said, what? I remember you saying that. And he said, well, when I said it, I meant it. But I went back to the same neighborhood, hung out with the same friends, sure. went to the same school, did the same activities. Right. So repent really is a much more radical. And I use the word radical in the, the sense of uh, radix or think of radish. Mm -hmm. Radix means the root, mm -hmm. uh, the radical sense. You got to go to the root of who you are and root out what's wrong which gets me to the second part of the gospel sure because the fig tree is not bearing fruit is it because it doesn't want to bear fruit or is there something wrong and who is the gardener who is the owner of the orchard who is the gardener there's a lot of well jesus doesn't say he just he gives these characters and I think it's kind of up to us to interpret and pray about. And it almost doesn't matter. But the one thing the fig tree doesn't do on its own, the one thing the fig tree does not do on its own, it does not cultivate or uh, work up the ground around its base. Mm -hmm. It does not uh, fertilize itself. Yeah, It's up to the gardener. In other words, repentance can't be done by ourselves alone. Mm. So if we say we want to repent, become a new person, uh, turn over a new leaf, guess what? Jesus is doing the heavy work. Sure. And I call it the God work, the God work that goes on inside us. And just a minute ago when you were talking about faith, you know, experiencing the, the fellowship, the unity, the community with people of other nationalities, even different languages yeah. that we're all in this together, nobody's going to make it on their own. Mm -hmm. We need each other. Even more, we need to trust that Jesus is the one who gives us another chance. And that, you know, that song, uh, God of Second Chances. Yeah. And the one who says, come on, don't, I'm not giving up on you, so you better not give up on you. Sure. You know, I think about with, with this parable, you know, the whole idea of people, you know, when they, when they talk about repentance, they may not necessarily think, well, I need to go to reconciliation. I know I've heard that from any number of people, you know, they say, well, you know, I, I know that God forgives me, so I don't really need to go to confess my sins to a priest. I'm sure you've heard that any number of times. What do you usually say to people that maybe have a, 
they grew up Catholic, maybe haven't been to confession in 20 years. Well, we talk about this a lot in RCIA, and a big part of it is simply understanding what a sacrament is. A sacrament is always A, an external, visible or audio sign, sure, audible sign of what's going on invisibly inside. Sure. So if, for the, if the Holy Spirit is forgiving you, we need an external sign. Mm-hmm. It's like we, we need to know that we're being forgiven. Right. But the second thing about a sacrament is a sacrament is to be celebrated. So it's not just about forgiving our sins. It's celebration of the forgiveness of sins. Sure. And you can't celebrate by yourself. You know, you, you bake yourself... Party of one. You bake yourself a cake. Uh, you, <laughs> and you, then you eat the whole, the whole thing. thing. I mean, happy, <laughs> happy birthday to me. Right. Now, you, you know, we want to celebrate with others. Sure. And, but we celebrate the forgiveness. Uh, the priest not only is a reminder that God is forgiving, which we need, right. but also a sign of the whole community is forgiving. And last night we sort of acted it out. In the early church they had communal penance, or public confession is another way of putting it. Mm. You confess your sins in front of everybody, and then the whole community helps you be on the... The, the road of repentance. So you're not just being forgiven, but that you won't fall into this again. Sure. And uh, for those of you that are listening, our Lenten reconciliation service is going to be Monday, April 1st. At, I think that's an appropriate day. <laughs> April, April 1st. Day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, at seven o'clock. So just mark that on your calendars. Feel free to come and join us. It's uh, always a, a sacred time to celebrate, truly celebrate, as you said, the sacrament of reconciliation. But it, you know, we are called to repent. Uh, None of us is where we need to be. You know, I have to say too, in light of what I experienced this week with this parable, you know, the whole idea of for three years now, I've come in search of fruit on this fig tree, uh, but I have found none. Uh, So why, why should it exhaust the soil? And he said to him in reply, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. And I think that's what our mission team did this week. We cultivated and fertilized and helped people um, just to realize that they are loved. Don't give up. Don't give up. Have Have a blessed week, everybody. See you in church on Sunday.